Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Steven Ostentoski here of MGOFish. No, I am not David. I'll say it every time, just so it gets through your head. I'm not the beautiful David Arnold. I'm your pseudo host, one of many great hosts that MGOFish has here with me today. Harry. Harry Hillman joining the podcast. Harry, how are you how are you feeling? Are you washing your hands? You staying safe out there? How are how are things going in your neck of the woods? So I actually have a theory on how to never get sick, and that's you actually never wash your hands. <laughs> so the last twenty two years of never washing my hands, it's built up my immune system <laughs> to the point that I'm gonna be immune from now through like COVID thirty nine. <laughs> you're, so, you're doing like the Dwight Schrute approach now it might actually break my immune system <laughs> making me more vulnerable to COVID-19 well I mean Dwight Schrute had a uh, a comment on the office where he recommended putting bowls of just dirt and just grossness all over the office so maybe you're onto something there build up your yes. immune system don't do this people don't listen to us we are not <laughs> health experts i am i am a doctor no <laughs> i am uh in my last year of med school I, <laughs> this is bad advice man they might fail you from these comments alone i'm they not might what they might fail you for these comments alone well, i mean what do you think they're teaching us in med school wash your hands no <laughs> is no, that not it wrong oh they teach you don't wow See, the doctors aren't the ones getting sick, Stephen. I'm into this conspiracy. No, I'm just kidding. I, um, I was going to uh, say, you're getting into dangerous territory here. Yeah, that, that got dangerous. I No, I am washing my hands. That's good. I'm taking precautions. Uh, haven't left the house. and I mean, I, I've, I've gone for walks. Yeah, that's um, fair. But I haven't actively gone anywhere. I've taken my dog for a walk. But, that's good. Uh, how, are you, how are you holding up out there? Doing good. I'm lucky that uh, it it, it kind of hit me that my uh, my lifestyle could be somewhat called quarantine, where a lot of my hobbies are uh, at my computer. Um, my exercise is mainly running around my neighborhood, so that's not hugely impacted. I still do that. Um, I can mainly work from home, so that hasn't been impacted too much. Um, so I'm very fortunate for all the re- those reasons. But um, but yeah, staying safe. You know, trying to support my businesses around around chicago and different things there but um but yeah man it's 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 scary times so i'm just looking out for all all my friends and everything that's been affected marco polo have you been this this uh, app has been sharing app. yeah it's have yeah. it's had a comeback huge huge uh fan of it for my family because it's either like super long text threads or you hop on a video call every night and marco polo is the best in between to not text a bunch and have that and uh this this uh podcast is sponsored by marco polo. i'm just kidding it isn't but <laughs> but it is it is something i'm recommending to a lot of my friends who uh you know trying to find that balance of of communication without having a video call every night but uh yeah. it's uh it's a good one i'm in that kind of like in between stage where um like in life so like i'm just okay i'm gonna go back my parents like sure. especially if i have to quarantine so i've been living with the the folks where uh, my sister came home from nice. college uh had her senior at mizzou like canceled so that's like tough yeah but um so honestly like we've been getting along uh great so nice we're just trying to make the best of it it's uh it's like exposure therapy 
Nice. Yeah. House with someone for like a month, you're definitely going to learn to get along. That's true. Yep. (laughs) You'll be forced into, uh, into, uh, you know, a a livable situation with each other. But, uh, but all right, Harry, let's jump into it. We have a lot to talk about. It's been, it's been a bit since our last podcast here. Um, some basketball news, um, with, with some transfers and potential recruit information there. There's been a, a, a pretty big surge in, in Michigan's 2021, a recruiting class for football and then i know we've been uh we've been pretty busy with some projects so we can we can talk about those to uh to wrap up here so so let's jump in right into uh the first big news that broke yesterday uh david de julius um entering the transfer portal um give me your initial thoughts i mean david de julius was you know six man last year who put in about 21 minutes per game but what are your initial thoughts what does this do for uh michigan's team next year especially you know at the point guard and and shooting guard spot so my initial reaction was it was like okay good players transfer from programs um it happens he just finished his sophomore year you know what it it happens maybe he didn't gel as well with uh juan howard as some of the other players yeah maybe there was some sort of incident who knows um but it's not that shocking to me outside of oh dang a good basketball player just left i think i don't i think if michigan had to place as big of an emphasis on David DeJulius as like, if, if that's going to happen, they're in trouble anyway. That's so fair. I got lost on that thought. No, that it's point. okay. What's the, uh, so I know, I know Michigan's looking, had been looking into uh, a couple transfers, notably Harvard, uh, Bryce Aiken, um, as well as Columbia, Mike Smith, I believe those are two, uh, Ivy League guys who are uh, point guards looking elsewhere. Um, I mean, on the roster, obviously Eli Brooks uh, remains as the primary point guard option. I think he'll be a senior next year. Um, so there's some, you know, he's got experience there. He he isn't as exciting offensively uh, as DeJulius brought to the table, but obviously defensively, Brooks is is uh, towards the top end there. So what do you see as like the rotation at the point guard spot next year? And also Zeb Jackson uh, will be, um, you know, he's freshman. I think he, did he redshirt? Or no? Uh, no, he's in the upcoming. Uh, oh group. yeah. He's in this upcoming yeah. class. Right. So, so yeah, I mean, it's kind of thin. Do you think, mm-hmm. I mean, we can put Eli Brooks as, you know, the, the starter right away, uh, default starter, but what do you see kind of happening behind at, at the uh, at the point guard spot there. Actually, I, I disagree. Um, I, I don't think this says as much about um, Eli Brooks as it does Brandon Wade. I think oh, interesting. this could be a writing on the wall scenario where maybe Brandon Wade, who uh, the, I believe, Duquesne transfer. Yeah. Uh, point guard, he was a top five or six player in the state. Uh, a couple years ago, uh, he's a preferred walk-on, I believe. Yeah, and he came in with really high expectations. He was pretty good at Duquesne. Expect him to start. Honestly, I um I think he's going to be a really good player. Yeah, 
Yeah, that, that's interesting. I, I hadn't really looked at the roster that deeply, but now that you mention it, um, it's going to be a, a really open spot with a, a lot of minutes. Um, it, it'll be an interesting year next year because you're going to have a, a lot of returning. It's going to be the year of the wings, right? The the two through four position is going to be stacked with talent. Knock on wood. I know, right? But but even so, like in even in a disaster situation, it's still going to be a very good, um, you know, there's going to need to be some dominoes that fall um, to make the rosters, um, you know, to reach a scholarship, scholarship <laughs> limit. But, um, but I, I'm wondering if DeJulia saw it as, you know, there's Brooks here. So I'll be splitting minutes there for sure. And, you know, he wanted to be the guy elsewhere. So can't really fault him for that. But I saw, I saw next year being driven by, you know, either Franz Wagner or livers, knock on wood, one of those come, come back. Um, you know, you have Todd, we'll talk about him in a bit. If he ends up coming as well as Christopher, who's been, um, you know, hundred percent crystal ball for a while. Again, lots of unknowns, but you have a lot of guys, you know, Cole Bejima, um, who's still waiting to break out there. A lot of guys from the two through four positions um, that'll be coming in next year, ready to uh, really separate themselves. So I think that's, what's going to kind of drive the team and the offensive output there. So hard to say why, why DeJulius left it. It's, you know, kind of useless to speculate that, but, um, but I think it doesn't affect too much. It more opens the door for, um, for someone else to shine. So while I'm disappointed because I loved uh, watching DeJulius play, I think I think it, it doesn't have as big of an impact as a, a couple recruits coming in next year. So so what are what are you hearing? Uh, do you want to start with Todd or Christopher on kind of the um, latest? Let's start with Todd. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, what's been going on there? Are you looped so, in here? Um, I wouldn't say I'm looped in. Yeah. I, I follow it pretty closely. Sure. But from the looks of it, uh, he unfollowed everyone affiliated with Michigan basketball, took Michigan commit out of his Twitter bio. Yep. He deleted his pictures of uh, Michigan from Instagram. Yep. So not looking great. Yeah, not looking great. He also, and again, this is, we're speculating with teenagers, right? So take all of this with a grain of salt. Um, but those things are telling that the, that doesn't happen without reason. And I think he replaced his bio with on Twitter with like a broken heart. So that seems like it's a strange thing where I don't know if like the numbers aren't working or... Because he was always a guy who was, you know, people were saying, oh, he's going to Europe, going to Europe. And he kept insisting um, that he was showing up in Michigan. So it's it's one thing to have like, okay, I'm deciding to go to Europe. And then he's, you know, he's off. This seems like something that's very different because it almost seems like this was made kind of uh, like a sad decision. Like it almost wasn't his decision. So, yeah. I, it, yeah. yeah, go ahead. I, I agree with you. It First off, if you're like social media strategy um, to know when to message women is look for exactly what Isaiah Todd is doing. Yeah. Then it's like, Oh, okay. It's like, Oh, she took out all the pictures with her boyfriend relationship status on Facebook single. Okay. Like we're good to go. Right. Um, but no, I agree with you on Isaiah Todd. It's definitely a little weird. I, I would 
if I just had to posit a, a guess, I would say this isn't Michigan or Isaiah Todd's decision. Interesting. Okay. I think if this this feels like with if you remember Jeremy Tyler back mm-hmm. in the day. Yep. Um, like he, I'm not saying it's the exact same scenario, but he was told like way ahead of time, like there's no way he's going to qualify like out of high school because of his grades. Got so it. he played in Japan. Right. So this feels like it might be maybe an, a grades issue. That's fair. Yeah. Maybe an eligibility thing. Yeah. You could, you could see that you, I could also see a thing where, Michigan would expect um, Franz Wagner or Livers, and this could be a to go to the NBA um, Mm -hmm. without a tournament. um, You know, I think a lot of people who are on the fence are more likely to be returning than actually leaving. Um, So, you know, maybe there was that expectation um, from the coaching staff that at least one of those guys were going and that would free up a spot for Todd, maybe now they're both going to return and that just doesn't leave a spot with, you know, the transfers that they know are upcoming and the projection there. So I totally agree with you. It's, it's something that seems out of his control one way or the other. Um, I, I'm bummed about it. Cause he's, he's like a, probably the highest ceiling of any potential guys uh, next year. But, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, so, I mean, at this point, you know, from zero to 10, what's your, what's your confidence? I mean, mine is, mine has got to be a two. I don't yeah, know. Exactly. Thinking a two. Yeah. My little conspiracy on uh, I wouldn't say conspiracy, but maybe they got Greg Brown. Maybe he's coming after all. It's close with Josh Christopher. Ooh, that's, that's a, that's a spicy take out there. Yeah. Uh, that one's probably not it. And I, I don't want to like speculate on if it was actually like a grades issue with Isaiah Todd. I never met him. That's unfair to say. I'm just saying it feels like something out of anyone's control. Right. Like, right. I was using grades as an example. Right. It, it didn't seem all these steps didn't seem like something where he made the decision, and that could be just one of those examples. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Okay. So moving on from Todd. Um, you know, obviously we wish him the best regardless of what happens there. Um, let's move on to Josh Christopher. This is a recruitment that I think most would agree has gone gone on pretty long and has felt very long. Um, I, I saw that his final two is now down to Arizona State and Michigan. Um, he's been, you know, posting a ton of pro-Michigan stuff, obviously disproportionate to the amount of Arizona State stuff I've seen. So, um Give me your thoughts there. I, I'm probably not as looped in on, on Josh Christopher and where that's all currently at. That's all I know. But um, why do you think it's it's taken so long? And I think it's April 19th or so, that uh, April 13th maybe, one of those dates that he's going to be committing. Obviously, um, you know, it's coming up on the deadline here. So what are your thoughts on, on where Michigan stands with, with uh, Josh Christopher? I think probably pretty good. Seems like Um, it. (laughs) It it feels like it feels like it was going to, it takes a while, but at the same time, we knew like months ago he wasn't planning on committing till April. Yeah. So it doesn't feel weird. It feels like someone taking their time to make sure they're making 
the right decision for their future. Someone that is probably going to be um, a top 10, top 15 pick next year. Yeah. So you definitely want to make sure you make the right call for your future when the stakes are this high. Sure. And yeah. from what I've seen, he's loves Michigan. There hasn't been any reason to believe that it probably isn't going to be Michigan. I think I was really concerned about USC mm. once they like randomly made the top five over Kentucky. Yeah. And that concerned me a bit, but if it's between Michigan and Arizona state, I feel pretty comfortable. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. So, yeah, I mean, he, he brings such a great offensive, you know, immediate impact there. Um, almost surely a one and done there. So let, let's end this basketball segment. What do you think the starting five for Michigan basketball as of now, as of today, what do you think it's going to look at? Um, I need to honestly pull up the roster because yeah, I think, same. I think I know, I know I'm going to go with Eli Brooks. I think that's almost a lock at that yeah, point. No, I, I think you're right, but I think Brandon Wade's going to play a pretty big role off the bench. That's fair. Um, I think Josh Christopher will start at the two. Um, I think he has too much talent not to start there. Um, and then I'm going to project that Franz Wagner starts at the three and Hunter Dickinson starts at the five. But at the four, I don't know because I, I'm i still struggling with Isaiah Livers, right? That's the bet. Do you think Franz Wagner's coming back? He's slotted as a starting uh, starting role. And does the livers come back? Obviously, he'd be a lock at the four. Yeah, so I've got I've got Austin Davis as a lock at the five. I don't think there's any way Dickinson starts um, at least early on next year. Playing center, it's going to be a little bit more physical, and I don't think Juwan Howard would have spent the scholarship on Davis for the fifth year if he didn't see him playing like a really important role. Maybe later in the year, Dickinson takes over the role like Mitch McGarry with Jordan Morgan and just starts playing a lot more. But I, I would bet he starts. Uh, the wings, basically two through four, I think it'll include Livers and Wagner. And then... I'm half tempted if, if Josh Christopher comes knock on wood, I think there's a really good chance that he could start at the one. Really? Wow. Okay. I think there's a good chance. It, it feels like something that I don't know. That's probably a little optimistic thinking, but yeah. it feels like something that their best lineup, maybe him, um, three lengthy wings and Austin Davis. Yeah, that'd be a that'd be a really really weird lineup because it'd be super tall because Josh Christopher is what six four six five, um, he'd be, six five. Yeah, he'd, he'd be the shortest, and then but you'd be six five through six ten because Austin Davis is is six ten. Mm-hmm. So it'd be super lengthy because you got Franz at six nine. You'd probably you know if it's Livers there, you know he's what six six eight. Yeah, six, six seven. Yeah, seven, six, eight. And then you got, you know, if Brandon Johns rotates in. So yeah, you'd have you'd have a, Yeah, really, really tall lineup there. I they've I'd like to see it. Size. What's that? Uh they've got some legit size. Yeah, they do. Eli Brooks would be like one of the only guys who's 
he's six one, and that's you know that's not super short for a point guard, but but yeah. So I think it, I think it projects to be an exciting year next year. I'm still trying to figure out. You know, this is where I'll end my speculation because speculation on uh, on transfers beyond where we're currently at, I think is uh, that's where I get. I feel a little squirrely about it. I don't like to do so, but um, obviously there's going to be um, some people leaving, whether it's to the NBA or to other programs. So I think it'll be an exciting year next year. Um, you know, I, I I would really love to see Christopher, but uh, it's going to be a really really nice uh, recruiting class coming in. I think it's a top three ranked right now, so that'll be that'll be really exciting. Um, yeah. Um... And knock on wood that Isaiah Livers comes back. Yeah, yeah, fair I, enough. I can see there being a scenario where someone gives him like a late first because you know what he's going to be. Right. Yep. Exactly. All right. Let's let's shift gears here. Let's go over to football. Um, a lot. I saw a ton of people complaining that uh, Rutgers had a higher rated recruiting class as of a couple of weeks ago. I think they might still today because they have like like eleven three stars Mm -hmm. right now but anyway michigan's 2021 football class has uh, pretty much doubled in size over the past couple weeks back on the uh, 25th of march you had greg crippen a uh, four-star guard out of img academy in florida and uh, i'm gonna butcher this name man dominic guidice guidis he's from matter day he's a he's a three-star defensive end um, so those two guys committed on March 25th and then, uh, back on April 2nd and 3rd, you had three commits. You have, uh, Lewis Hansen, a tight end out of Massachusetts three or four star. Um, man, he's a four star out of Massachusetts. Okay. Oh, yeah. uh, you don't see that often. I'll say, I'll no, say that yeah. right off the bat. I'll save my thoughts for him after, but keep yeah, going. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then we had Casey Finney, uh, He's a inside linebacker out of Massachusetts, a three star, um, and then technically a zero star, but but actually more like a five star uh, punter slash kicker. Uh, he's one of the best punter kickers uh, combo in the country out of uh, Orchard Lake St. Mary, I believe. Uh, Tommy Doman. Um, so yeah, I mean five commits over the past couple of weeks. Um, Let's start. You're you're chomping at the bit for Lewis Hansen. Let's start with him. Um, I watched some film on him just a bit ago. Give me your initial thoughts on on what he brings to the table. Uh, Lewis Hansen is an absolute stud. He's a fantastic playmaker, and he's an incredible athlete. He's someone that I think has the potential to carry a serious load uh, in his first season. Uh, I think he's going to be a stud. I think he's probably one of my favorite players Michigan's recruited in the last three or four years. Wow, that's pretty. Uh, that's pretty lofty. Um, I was. I, I think as a pure athlete, I think you're right. Um, he's pretty. I mean, it jumps out at the film. They use him a lot in the screen game. They use him a ton as a jump ball athlete. Just throw it up to him. You know, he's at, he's definitely in the flex tight end um, utilization uh, at high school because why not? <laughs> um, you know, someone that athletic with that height, um, you know, that's how he's going to be used in Massachusetts. Um, so things I, I really liked, he could operate in space pretty well for a big guy. Um, really good hands. He showed great body control both in the air 
and uh, after the catch. Um, things and and I think he's going to grow into a, a very uh, you know prototypical tight end. You know, he's six four and a half. Um, he's already at two twenty. Um, he looked like he could put on um, more weight without any issue as well. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really great. Did you see any areas of improvement or anything that um, that you just didn't see on the film that you would have liked to see more? Not necessarily like bad things, but things that he'll he'll need to focus on. Uh, definitely his explosiveness uh, out of um, out of stance. He comes out and it's a pretty fluid motion. There's no real explosive pop, so yeah. it takes an extra half second. Um, in and out of cuts when he's running routes, same thing there. So just really working on his um, hip explosion on both of those ends. Yep. But nothing really that isn't a like very coachable concern. Right. I think he's the number 63 player in the country on rivals. Um, I think he was he, – he went to rivals camps last year. So they give preference to guys they see. Sure. Uh, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but it's what they do. Yep. And he hasn't – this is – he hasn't gone to any other camps because it was all Rivals exclusive. So 247 is basically only going off of his film last year. Um, so there's no updated evaluation on their end. I think he's going to be a top 100 player when it's all said and done. Wow. And, and- – yeah, that's that's a great point. Rivals who sees them, I mean, they see him the most, but obviously if, if someone's not performing well, they're not going to rank him as high as that. But um, that is a, a good explanation of, of why there's kind of a disparity between, you know, he's a three-star on 247, and obviously that's very different as being, you know, a top 100 from, from Rivals. So, so their, yeah. their last 247s, it's also important to, like, look into it a little bit more. 247's last evaluation from him was his sophomore year of high school right. when he was still playing wide receiver. Right. And so in there, they mark a uh, great frame for tight end, but they're listing him as a receiver because right. that's what he was playing. So it's important to realize that, I mean, there's thousands and thousands of prospects. It's not that big of a deal if some kid from Massachusetts that the coach think can play hasn't gotten scouted by one of the services as extensively. Sure. Yeah. He, he feels like a guy who, um, you know, Michigan's taken a lot of, of jumbo tight ends that have grown into offensive tackles. You know, that's mm-hmm. uh, the Warner way of, of, you know, get some, or Greg Frey, especially back when he was recruiting guys, um, you know, get super athletic tight ends that are going to outgrow the position and make them into super athletic offensive tackles. And this feels like just the extension of that from the wide receiver. He has, you know, a, a jumbo wide receiver skill set, and he's going to grow into the tight end position. And that's exactly, it's a great point that that's what they were projecting him as. And that's where he's trending to and pretty close to already. So, um, so yeah, so, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that that's a very, very, interesting um way of going because you actually don't know and we'll talk about this a little bit more later my uh my project i'm doing this week actually a jumbo size tight end that moved to tackle oh nice i'll be i'll be interviewing um jeff percy his dad i'm watching i'm zooming in to watch a couple of his workouts nice Uh, um 
and the, kind of basing this around how um, football recruits are handling like all this. But um, I just thought it was a funny segue. But that yeah. is exactly the type there. <laughs> yeah, that's Sorry, awesome. A little bit of a tangent there. No, no, I think that's that'll be really cool to see that that introspection there, especially. Um, especially now, cause it's such a unique time for recruits to actually be, you know, having those workouts and how they're coping with this and, and adjusting their, uh, their workout appropriately there. So now that's, that's, that's definitely really interesting. Um, so yeah, I, I'm super excited about Lewis. I think he's, you know, tight ends usually don't, don't see much action right away, but, um, given his weights already, you know, two twenty two thirty, he's already got the frame. He's someone who, uh, with some, some additional coaching he'll uh he'll get uh you know it's not like he needs to grow into the position he just needs some technique and and some coaching there which will be uh you know elevating his game pretty quickly there so okay let's jump to uh, i i mentioned some other some other guys real quick i don't think we need to talk about uh tommy doman real quick but he is um, by a couple you know kicker specific um outlets have him as you know either the the very best combo kicker so kickoff field goal and punter specialist um or at least uh you know a top three in that regard um any comments about that i mean it's pretty self-explanatory it comes at a good time as michigan's graduating a couple um you know in the next coming year with uh nordine um run of eligibility coming up here yeah i think it's good to get a kicker and a punter yeah He's someone that, you know, with, with, unless you're at the super top level, you know, a lot of kickers sometimes, um, you know, you can take a preferred walk on and still get pretty good, but he seems like a guy at, at least of Nordine's level where, you know, when you're a top five, uh, punter and kicker in the nation, that's, that's worth a scholarship. Um, yeah, those programs give, it, they allocate usually two scholarships, their yeah. specialist room. So, um, yeah, I think it'll be good. Yeah. That's really the end of my thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and then I mentioned Crippen, Finney, and uh, Guidice. I'm, I'm I'm sure I'm butchering that still. Gudici, I don't know. Yeah, Gudici. I like that more. I've been, I've been watching The Sopranos, so Italian-American <laughs> last names have been right up my alley. He's from New Jersey, too. So yeah, like... I know. It was like, okay. <laughs> this makes sense. Yeah, so I, I honestly haven't gotten a chance to to check out their film. Uh, any comments on any one of the three, and we can dig in a little bit there. Um, in terms of uh, Doman, Judici, and Finney Crippen. Finney Crippen. Okay. In terms of those three, uh, Dominic G looks um, looks okay. Yeah. Hardworking guy. He's already up to 260-ish pounds. Um, he's put on a lot of weight. Reminds me a lot of Ryan Van Bergen. Uh, Ryan Van Bergen had a similar frame out of, I think, Pennsylvania coming in. Okay. Beat him up, moved him inside. Um, so I can see that being a pretty viable role for someone that is going to like grow a bit more. Uh, and has some athleticism, so that's fair. No real strong thoughts. It wouldn't shock me though if he moved inside because he looks like he's put on a substantial amount of weight, and that might be if he's able to do that. He's got enough athleticism for defensive end. 
Yeah. But if he keeps that athleticism, it's very good athleticism for a defensive tackle. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's a guy who probably, um, yeah, I, it's hard to project because I feel like defensive line is always, you, you mm-hmm. say that a guy is going to be amazing and then, I don't know if it's just as of late, but it seems like there's been um, a lot of transfer transfers from the position. But um, getting a guy who can bulk up uh, into the middle, I think, is a really um, you know you prefer to have that situation than someone who's you know already at 300 and you have to continually slow him down. That's just tough to do. Um, thing to note about uh, Guiducci is he had a lot of um, Ivies on his offer list, so mm-hmm. Columbia, Cornell, Harvard. Um, Princeton, Penn, so, you know, smart guy. Um, lots of service academies were there as well. So, um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see his development there. Um, but, but yeah, um, you know, he's out of New Jersey, Matter Day, so he's also, you know, Matter Day is a huge school, so it's probably, you know, pretty tough to, uh, to stand out if you're, you know, a traditional three-star. It, it, you're going to be kind of lost in a, in a sea there a little bit more than other programs as well. Um, and a uh, good point you made about his offer sheet. Yeah. It's important to remember this early in the process. The smaller schools will offer their prospects significantly earlier yeah. than some of the bigger schools. When you see a guy who at this point in the cycle only has, let's just say, um, for example, Casey Finney, he only had a UMass scholarship and a bunch of uh, service academies and Ivy League schools. Right. Yeah, that's fine. That's not that those are the uh, the only offers he could have gotten. Right. A lot of mid-tier Power 5 schools wait to offer kids until they visit. Right. So – in terms of like your Boston colleges, Syracuse, he's in the Northeast. So that might be a scholarship that's contingent on him visiting. And those visits he had planned that got recently canceled. Right. Okay. So the offer sheet, don't use that at this point in time. If it's the end of the cycle and they have just mediocre, okay, maybe, but when it's only lower tier schools, that's usually a pretty good sign because those are the ones that take a pretty precipitous jump in the rankings. Right. It's the ones that have been scouted a significant amount. Yep. And you know what? The Ivy leagues are really good at football. Yeah, that's fair. So like a Harvard offer, like means something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, a three star, um, especially now where it's, you know, there's no camps going on. There's really no Mm -hmm. evaluations going on. So it's even, you're going to even see a larger delay in a lot of these guys getting proper scouting just because there's so much less opportunity for that. So it's going to be an interesting year. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting year actually seeing how the recruit, how the, uh, the services actually rank people with, you know, none of these activities going on. So you might see, this might be like the most inaccurate year um, for a lot of recruits, you know, who are initially ranked high and maybe, you know, should have fallen back a bit and the converse side where we're, you know, Finney and and other guys who maybe aren't appropriately ranked because of the effect of COVID. So, so -hmm. we'll see about that. And then I know real quick, we'll, we'll talk about Crippen as well. You know, obviously IMG, uh, four star, he's, you know, inside Massachusetts though. Yeah, exactly. Inside and Don Brown and Ed Warner. uh, Northeast. Yeah. 
Don Brown was a primary recruiter. Um, Ed Warner was recruited there as well, obviously for offensive line, but um, you know, he's a top two, four, seven guy. Um, You know, he had offers from Notre Dame, Bama, Auburn, Duke, um, Ohio state was in there. So really impressive offer sheet there. North or Northwestern was interested in offer, but um, you know, Duke offer shows that, you know, he's got the, the smarts there. Um, So, so again, I mean that I am, if, if I were in charge of recruiting, I would oversaturate my class with offensive linemen. Um, getting a solid four-star uh, interior guy like that is is really really valuable. So especially uh, Notre Dame flip. That's that's exactly right. Yeah, how long was he committed to Notre Dame? It, it long was, time, but from what uh, I've seen and heard, it kind of looks like he sort was taking other visits wasn't totally a hundred percent in and then it was a mutual parting of the ways um which makes sense um don't believe notre dame fans that said they didn't want him right and don't believe michigan fans that said they flipped a like a total notre dame commit because the truth is usually somewhere in the middle right but it was definitely more of a mutual like okay this is probably for the best decision than like a true like last second change of heart yep yep fair enough he's a good player yeah yeah it'll be exciting to see uh 247 projects him as a multi-year power five starter so obviously um you know he's a guy who you know with most offensive linemen put him through a red shirt wait and see and hope for health so uh definitely just uh mason cole yeah Um, he's all over can snap um athletically little bit more limited but like smart and solid sure where you can like really good because mason cole was good but i don't think anyone would say he was like, like out uh, of this world athletic yeah not really okay so we talked about those guys a little bit um one final guy i want to talk about real quick noah stewart this is a guy out of uh north muskegon um class of 2020 so this is a guy that um you know we were talking about 2021 class and um he was um, just offered a preferred walk-on for Michigan, and um, and he committed to be a preferred walk-on in the class of 2020. So this is a guy, 247, has him as a three-star. Um, he's 6'7", 245 pounds, um, a guy who plays basketball. He runs the relay in track, which is just insane. I'd be terrified um, seeing this guy on the track. Um, so obviously really good athlete. Um, you know, if there were, if he was in the 2021 class, it seems like there would have been more traction on him. Um, and seems like he was way more of a a late bloomer who uh, was kind of off the radar. So, um, I don't know. I, this is my favorite preferred walk on pickup type of person. Um, like a six, seven, 250 pound guy who is a late bloomer, um, to have him as a preferred walk on and, um, kind of, it feels like a steal. Any, any thoughts about, about this pickup? It's a good one. Yeah. It has a lot of room to add weight, really athletic guy. Yeah. Not saying he's going to be a starter in four years, but he could absolutely be a swing tackle that adds really good depth. Yeah. Could be a starter. Who knows? Yeah. A lot of, a lot of body to grow. Seriously. Yeah. And uh, again, if I could take 20 preferred walk on offensive linemen 
it's it's one of the hardest positions I see to uh, to really project for those lower ranked guys. You know, how many three stars do you see actually make it? And it's just because they're, they're so hard to project. You know, there's so much growth and so much development that has to go on in order for a, a guy to grow into that role. Like, I think I was I'm doing some research on something and uh, basically exactly that Mo- way more offensive linemen drafted in the NFL are under 260 pounds coming out of high school than yeah. over 280 pounds. Yeah. Like yeah. significantly more likely and they're rated a lot lower. Um, really it's only good to be massive. You're one of the top five to seven tackles. So always right. get guys add weight on them and help them with their athleticism. Yeah. And it makes sense because the ratings, you know, not only are they, um, they're based on if this guy were to go to the NFL, like what is this guy in the NFL right now? And the guys who get the five-star and high four-star ratings are those guys who are already at plain weight. Majority of guys aren't there. So the majority of of guys who will be productive college starters and and go on to the NFL are guys who need to grow, who need to develop into that. And then that, it makes sense why you see a higher you know, higher percentage of wide receivers and defensive backs. Those are guys who are already at this size. They will be at the time they're going mm-hmm. to play or very close to that. So the projection is way less for those positions. So totally makes sense. Um, so yeah, very excited. Noah Stewart. Um, uh, it was kind of a contest here between Michigan state, Iowa and Michigan uh, to get him to walk on. So, you know, that seems really great. It seems like those three programs, um, you know, if they had a scholarship at the time, they would have, and just a guy who is, who is late. So, uh, to be Iowa, especially at that, um, I think it, it speaks volumes on, on his, uh, his ceiling. So, so just a name to watch, I would be shocked if we heard him in, you know, the next year, maybe two years, but I would be very shocked if I didn't hear him by, you know, his red shirt sophomore year. I, I, I'd expect his name to pop up here or there. Um, so yeah, any uh, any thoughts overall about like Michigan recruiting as of late? I know the 2021 class is currently ranked 14th nationally. You know, it's it's a weird time in recruiting. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but what are your current thoughts about the 2021 class? I really like it. I really like the strategy that Michigan is starting to use in recruiting and prioritizing their pipelines a little bit better. Yeah. Sure, it's not they're not getting as many highly rated guys, but I always got the feeling in their in Jim Harbaugh's first full couple classes, there were highly ranked players that he didn't like as much that he felt obligated to take, whether they were in state or to recruit one of their teammates. And this reminds me of a lot of his in David Shaw's Stanford classes. And those worked really, really well. And you can recruit like Stanford while getting enough of the high-end, like elite talent that the Stanfords, the Iowas, and the Wisconsins can't get as actively to compete with Alabama. They're doing something different. And I'm always okay with doing something different and trying to exploit a flaw rather than continuously like banging your head against the wall of just recruiting players at Ohio state, right. uh, passed on. Right. 
They're yeah. doing something different. They're getting into their scouting, which has always been a strength for them. Yep. Um, and they're getting good players from it. Yeah. And they're betting on the the states that aren't scouted as heavily being um, a decent spot to find under the radar gems. Yeah. You know what? Good for them. Yep. And it's it's still early, so you know a lot of the guys who maybe aren't ranked as highly in the class are likely to be rated higher than they are today. So that's going to bump 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 up the ranking a little bit. Um, Michigan having, you know, debatably the best kicker in the class is actually hurting uh, their average right now for their recruits. So, you know, he's technically a five-star kicker, but without any ranking on 247 who doesn't really specialize in that, you know, that's affecting your ranking, having an unrated guy in your class. So there's lots of reasons to be optimistic about the class. I think now it's all about just continuing that trend and continuing to add those – you know, those kinds of guys to the class, but I think there's lots of time. So a lot of the negativity I've seen, I think should start to go away. Um, only downside I see is recruiting is a lot tougher now. You know, you do have to lean on your scouting, um, a lot more. Um, and you're, you know, it's unique where you can't visit. Um, and it's just a weird time in recruiting. So building a class is, is more difficult than teams like, you know, Clemson already has 10 guys. North Carolina has 10 uh, four-stars already. Obviously, Ohio State already has 15 commits. So it's easier to hold on to commits now than it is to uh, gather new commitments. So Yeah, but I would almost go so far to say that could actually hamstring those teams a little bit more because you don't know. Like, like let's be honest. Anyone that pretends to know how this is going to affect recruiting – uh, is wrong. We've never Fair. seen anything like this. So Fair. I'm just speculating. Yeah. Like I, I'm just giving a, a speculation of what could happen um, rather than saying like, oh, it's actually bad to have more highly rated players. Right. Okay? Yep. I'm not saying that, but no one knows how these kids are going to look in, um, in three, four, five, six weeks minimum. No one knows how these kids are, uh, going to be able to play football how they're going to be able to work out so there's a lot of like unanswerable questions there's a lot of unanswerable questions on if they're going to be able to translate the same way like after this because recruiting rankings are pretty damn accurate but if there's a global pandemic it shuts things down a little bit yeah yeah i'm with you it's interesting and i shouldn't say it's going to hamstring those teams but if, like, guys show up out of shape and, like, stink, it's going to be harder to move on from them. Yeah. No, that's a great point. It's a great point. Lots of unknowns. Lots of – we're in unprecedented territory. You know, when's yeah. the last time we've had this this kind of thing? Like, never. You could say, like, World War II is the last big impactful thing like this. So it's going to be some strange times. Um, and the best you can do is adapt as best as you can. So, so definitely a strange time. Um, all right, we, we got probably 10, 15 minutes here. Harry, I, I, you're, you interested me with that project. You gave us a sneak peek. One more time, where are you going? How, how is this working? How did, how did you uh, get in contact there, and where, how did this project kind of develop? So through um, doing some of the scouting report pieces that, um, that I've done, I've um, started talking to a lot of different like people affiliated with like those recruits, like moms, dads, the recruits themselves. Um, 
And so just to talk, just to say like, Hey, how's it going? Sure. Like not, I'm not really in the news breaking business. Right. I'm in the relationship building business. Yep. Um, so like occasionally they'll tell me things. Um, and I've, uh, have a really good relationship with, um, Jeff's dad, uh, big Jeff Percy. Nice. Um, nice. he's someone that I talk to, um, pretty frequently. Um, he's a good friend. Uh, and we were just talking and he was telling me that Jeff is now up to six foot eight wow, and 305 pounds, man, that's a monster. Uh, yeah. Six, eight, three Oh five. Um, and he ran the 40 yard dash and I believe five, two, nine and the pro agility, like four, nine, one. And I asked him. Hey, because he's doing it a lot via zoom with his trainer. Like they have like lasers on whatever. Sure. So it's not like he's going to the gym and doing all these. So I asked him like, Hey, I think it'd be really cool to, um, uh, talk to Jeff about how he's handling it. Yeah. I was like, well, if you ever want like to zoom in, let me know. Like, okay. And it kind of snowballed a little bit into, I think it would be really cool to do more of, a feature on Jeff. He's always been one of my favorite prospects. It doesn't seem like a lot of people know about him. Um, do more of a feature on him centered around the, the uncertainty of being a highly recruited uh, football player that doesn't know when he's going to be able to report for camp that doesn't know how long this is going to go on Um and how they're handling it and making the best of it. Yeah. And so it's kind of based around that. Um, and I'm really excited to do it. I'm going to be um, zooming in and interviewing him um, a couple times this week. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about it. Nice. Uh, um, should be a lot of fun. So look for that next week probably. Sure. Um, and then you, my friend, just released – a critically acclaimed <laughs> project titled Michigan Social Media Restlessness. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, man. I don't know if you've seen it, but there's just there's been some a lot of negativity towards the graphics department, obviously towards recruiting, but I would consider towards Michigan recruiting always there and always mm-hmm. towards most programs. Um, but to the Michigan graphics department specifically, there's been a lot of distaste in some of the uh, commitment art. And um, there was, I think a few days ago, there were some, um, a lot of recruits and and potential targets tweeting out pictures um, that the graphics department had clearly sent over to them as a part of uh, like a media strategy to release uh, different photos, um, different edits um, out to try to create some buzz. And um, fans did not, um, did not like them. Um, and I, I felt like there was, there is, um, a lot of people who were being kind of hyperbolic about it, but also, you know, I could see where a lot of people were coming from. Uh, a lot of the content I was seeing was a bit formulaic. So not as much, uh, you know, not as innovative as, as we've seen from other programs where, especially now the importance of social media, um, you know, that's, that's the main viewport into recruiting right now for fans and for recruits alike. So, so yeah, it's, it's a way longer video than I wanted to. I think it's like 13, 14 minutes. Um, 
but yeah, I just kind of explore and thought about it a lot, explore how important social media graphics are in recruiting, um, what the overall impact, you know, how teams can utilize it and do utilize it and um, kind of different relationships different teams have with it based on uh, their popularity and especially now with COVID-19, as I said, it, it has a different dynamic now. So, um, so yeah, put that out there. Um, pretty, pretty good responses. You know, I think the main thing is Twitter is not a place for context and, mm-hmm. uh, context is very, very important. And I, I, I always try to add context. That's like the number one thing I try to do with my videos is this is one play that went negatively, how did this fit into the rest of the game? You know, this is one point of time in, in social media and what we're seeing. How is that fitting in with the landscape of fo- football media right now? So, you know, so yeah. It would be uh, really cool if there was, like, just a really, like, kick-ass, kick like, graphic designer that everyone loves that was, like, maybe a huge Michigan fan that Michigan <laughs> could bring on. Like, like, I don't know. Like, obviously, they'd have to have experience doing that for, like, a Division One football program. So... <laughs> You'd probably want someone that like recruits and fans love, so it's gonna generate some positive press. Someone that's I don't know been on like ESPN, E, Bleacher ABC, Report, yeah, uh, Bleacher Report. Um, but you know what? Like schools like Michigan don't have those kind of connections, and like <laughs> it's sad that um, that a good creative school like Michigan can't find anyone to make really really cool edits. That's my only opinion in this whole scenario is that it sucks there's no one that would suit this role perfectly that people would love <laughs> i actually point on billing bus um quite a bit because i've seen his name thrown around a bit so that's one of the main topics i cover in that video so definitely mm-hmm. people if you've had that same opinion um a sneak peek of my opinion on that i would love to see it it's not the solution it would help it would, mm-hmm. it would be great to see. It's not the solution, and I explain why yeah. in the video. But yeah. it, it's like a show of goodwill. It gives you that positive, like, it at least takes it from, like, a very negative to a moderately neutral. That's fair. A solution. Yeah, because it's a negative voice right now. So so controlling that voice and not allowing that voice to spread is uh, is important. So, so yeah, it, it, it's an interesting video. And then... It, all right, you're back. And then, yeah. and then next projects, um, just recruit review, bringing that back. I got a lot of projects ongoing right now, but that'll be a, uh, that'll be a great one for, um, for just going through the class of 2020 and, uh, reviewing. I think I'm starting with Blake Corum there, um, running back commit or running back. Uh, Enjoy. he was, he was one of my favorites to watch. Enjoy. Yeah. yeah. Good one. Yep. He's, he's been fun to watch. Maybe film the the comp i gave him yeah for sure um all right harry we're we're at about an hour here um any final thoughts any uh any other covid19 just um wash your hands stay safe take this seriously if you have to um like go get groceries or uh order food or any of that um be really 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 nice and generous to those people um as terrified as as you are going to the store or ordering from somewhere 
those people are terrified tenfold because they have to stay there. They have to do the same exact things. Uh, a lot of people living uh, paycheck to paycheck that uh, can't afford to just go quarantine. So uh, just be nice to those people. Tip them extra. Um, like help each other out. It's not like it, it, this is a terrible, terrible thing. I'm not trying to make light of it, but be nice to people. Yep. And stay safe. Yep. That's all we got. All we got is being nice, being kind to one another. That's all we can do. That's all we can hope for. And, um, that's all we got, man. (laughs) I mean, like each other, like that's, that's all we have. So, um, being, being kind in the minimal social interactions we do have is, is more important now than ever. So, so wise words from, from Harry Hillman. Um, all right, man, this is fun. It's been a while. Hope we can do it again soon. Um, You'll be talking later this week, uh, I think, with another podcast coming up. But uh, mm-hmm. but we'll see. All right, man. Well, uh, take take it easy. Stay safe. Wash those hands. Keep the Absolutely. keep the awesome beard going. I need to shave Absolutely. mine until sports are back. Ooh, that's a uh, until I start working on Zoom. Either or. Fair enough. Fair enough, man. All right, take it easy, Harry. Take it easy. Stay safe. Go blue. Go blue.